Well, this morning, we are coming to the end of our Peter series. We've been in this series for the last couple of months, and uh, just I've really enjoyed digging into First and Second Peter. Um, a lot of good stuff there, and uh, on and just by the way. On Tuesday night at 6 o'clock, we will be having our Christmas Eve service, and uh, I would encourage you to come on, come on out for that. Uh, we'll be singing some Christmas carols, reading the Christmas story, and, uh, and hearing just a short Christmas message um, as, we, as we get the, the holiday started, um, and it truly is a holy day. Um, because we're celebrating the birth of Christ. And today we're going to start by reading in Matthew chapter 2, a familiar Christmas Christmas verse, but we're going to spend a good bit of our time in the Word today in 2 Peter chapter 2. If you want to read along, you can jump ahead by by turning to 2 Peter chapter 2 right now, but Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12 says that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is this newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this and everyone in Jerusalem was. He called a meeting of the leading priest and the teachers of the religious law and said, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. When it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was, where they... When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Then they entered the house and saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that this morning your word would be living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, that it would cut through uh, anything that would keep us from hearing it and receiving it today. I pray that it would cut us to the heart and change our heart, and that you would speak through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So last week we talked about how Jesus came as a baby that would grow up, that would die, go to the cross for the sins of the world, um, and remove the barrier between God and man. And we talked about that we all have this ability now to go into God's presence. We all have the ability to open God's word and hear him speak because all scripture comes from God. We read in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, we read all of chapter 1 last week, um, and it finished up in chapter 1 saying that because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. Peter says you must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your heart. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Spirit, and they spoke from God. He said, so there there are people out there who preach and teach the Word of God, and that the Word of God is without error as it was originally written because it was given directly and spoken directly to them by God. But, Peter says that there were people that spoke the word, but, that's how 2 Peter chapter 2 starts. He says, there were people that preached, that teach the word of God. They were prophets, they were spoken to directly by the Holy Spirit, but 2 Peter starts by saying, but, there were also false prophets in Israel just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they make up clever lies to get a hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. And then he goes on for another eight verses. You can read it later. Uh, You will read all of that in your connect groups. But he goes on for the next eight verses about how God will condemn them and destroy them, uh, these false teachers. But he will save those who follow the truth. But if you jump down to uh, chapter 2, verse 12... He says, these false teachers are like unthinking animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at things they don't understand, and like animals, they will be destroyed. Their destruction is their reward for the harm they've done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They're a disgrace and a stain among you. They delight in deception, even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. They commit adultery with their eyes, and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin, and they're well-trained in greed. They live under God's curse. They've wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. Referencing an Old Testament story there, a crazy story. Check that one out sometime. Verse 17, he says, these people are as useless as dried up springs or as mists blown away by the wind. They're doomed to blackest darkness. They brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting. With an appeal to twisted sexual desires, they lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. 
They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you're a slave to whatever controls you. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they're worse off than before. It would be better had they never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. They prove the truth of the proverb, a dog returns to its vomit and another says a washed pig returns to the mud. And then there are a couple of verses in chapter 3 where Peter says, I'm warning you ahead of time, dear friends. Be on guard so that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. Peter says, be careful who you let speak into your life and give you direction. He says, these false teachers will promise you freedom, but you'll only end up enslaved like they are. He says, when people escape the wickedness of the world by knowing Jesus, but then they get re-enslaved to sin, he says, you're, you're worse off than you were before. And, and I think, and some of you know that, some of you have found freedom in an area and then you've gone back and got enslaved again. You've been free of some kind of an addiction, and then you've fallen back into it. You've been free from porn, but then it entices you back. Some of you know that feeling of being like a washed pig returning to mud. You know, it's not a good place to be. And I know some of you can testify that because you are able to find freedom after a long and painful battle, and then you got pulled back into it, and it was harder, it was more painful, it was a harder struggle to get out of it the second time. So he says, he says, don't let these people pull you back into old ways and old living and old thought habits and old life. So be careful who you're listening to. Be careful who is helping direct your life. Peter says that they lure unstable people. Let me ask this question. And, and you know, is your life in an unstable place right now? Things going on around you, things happening in your life, things happening in your family, things happening in your job, things just happening with you in your heart. Is your life in an unstable place right now? Because if it is, and you probably, you know, you know if your life's unstable. If it is, he says, be careful. That, because when you're unstable, it's easy to get lured away by things that sound good, but may not be the truth. It, he, he's not saying you will be. He's not saying, well, if your life's unstable, it's because you're all screwed up and because you listen to a false teacher. No, he's not saying that. He's just saying, look, if your life's unstable right now, be very careful who you're letting direct your life. Be very careful who you're letting speak into your life. It's a good time when your life is unstable to really push in, lean into the word of God. Because it's easy when things are crazy to listen to things that sound good and make you feel good, 
but aren't truth. Because false teachers, they'll make it sound good. False teachers, they'll make it sound like the Bible. They'll even use some scripture when they tell you about it. Think, think about Jesus when he was spent his 40 days fasting in the wilderness. He was in an unstable place, in a sense. He hadn't eaten 40 days. If I hadn't eaten 40 days, I'd be unstable. He wouldn't want to be around me after I had not eaten for 40 days. Talk about hangry. That's a whole, 40 days is a whole new level. So Jesus hadn't eaten for 40 days. He'd been fasting. He'd been out in the desert away from people. And it was only after 40 days that Satan came to him and began to, to tempt him. Because it's easy to say, no, I, I don't want to have anything to do with that when you've just come out of the river and you've heard God speak and you've been baptized in the water. So, you know, some of you, you've been in church long enough, you've come down off the mountain, and you've, you, know, you just feel like, oh my goodness, it's just so good to have Jesus. And, and, you're very, and you're, when you're really close to him, it's hard to, to you know, you, you, it's hard to be in the middle of revival and hear the devil say, oh, you need to, you know, go check out that website again. And you're like, oh, I, don't, I don't even care about that. I just want to spend time with Jesus. But it's when, when you've been out alone by yourself for 40 days, it's when you've been deprived, it's when you haven't had all the things that you need when, when, you're, when you're suffering, when you're hurting, when you're kind of weak, when you're a little bit unstable, that Satan, he'll begin to say things and he'll begin to, put people in your life that begin to say things and, and maybe even throw a little scripture in there that sounds, sounds, uh, sounds right and you're tired and you're not thinking clear. He says, Peter just says, look, if your life's unstable, be careful. Be careful. Look at Herod. What do you say to the wise men? He Herod says, go back to Bethlehem and carefully search for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go worship him too. And look, these guys, they'd been on this long journey. They're probably tired. And it's careful to be deceived when you're tired. I, I, I tell people, when you're tired, when, when you haven't had enough sleep, be careful because that's when you make mistakes. That, that's when, when you're tired. That's when you, you're not thinking clear and you'll, and you'll say things, you'll do things. I, I used to tell guys when I was doing, when I was doing youth ministry stuff, I, I'd tell the guys, I'd tell the teen, teen guys, be careful when you get tired. Don't, if you stay up late, you get tired, that's when Satan will start to tempt you like, hey, go get on the computer, go, go look something up that you shouldn't be looking up. Because when you're tired, you're just not thinking clear. It's real easy. Peter says three things about false teachers. He, he said that false teachers lie about what the Bible says. These are three, three things that he mentions in 2 Peter 2. He says, one, they, they lie about what the Bible says. 
And, and some of the things that these false teachers were saying were, oh, Jesus, Jesus wasn't God. His blood, it doesn't cover sin. You can, some of them were saying, look, you can, you can do whatever you want. You can indulge whatever you want because the body is going to die, yes? So the body's gonna die, so you can do whatever you want with your body. And if your spirit has been redeemed by Jesus, then your spirit's gonna keep living. Your spirit's gonna go to heaven, but your body's gonna die, so you can do whatever you want with your body because it won't affect your spirit which led to people doing all kinds of great crazy things because they said, well, my body's going to die, so I can do whatever I want. My spirit's going to live forever, so I'm good. It led to people being immoral, which is the second thing that he says that these false teachers do. They practice all kinds of twisted, crazy immorality. He says they love to indulge in evil pleasure. They commit adultery with their eyes. They indulge in twisted sexual pleasure. Back then, one of the other things that they were, the false teachers were teaching was, again, like you can do anything you want with your body because it's going to die. It doesn't count. God doesn't care about that. So, so they were, some of the churches were involved in like wife sharing. So like all us guys in the room that are married, like, oh, you can just share your wife with any of the other guys. It was like this group wife thing. That's kind of messed up. They were they 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 had this teaching out there that you it was just a, the community of wives. Um, they they were using using scripture and, and false teaching to say that if you sexually abuse somebody, that's all right because you're just doing it to their body. You're not doing it to their spirit. So you could just do whatever you want. They, it, it says that they practiced the art of seduction. It's the, other, the third thing he says, he says they're greedy. He said they'll make up, they'll lie, they'll make up stories to get your money. Some of, some of those lies were like, well, if, if, if you pay us, if you, you, know, you stick some money in the offering, then, then what you do doesn't count as sin. So throw 10 bucks in, in the offering, you can go out and do 10 bucks worth of sin and it, it doesn't count. You know, if you want to have a real good weekend, throw a hundred bucks in the offering and do whatever you want. You can, or, or some of them were saying, look, you want to be saved? You want to know you're saved? You want to have just complete assurance? That'll be $500, please. They're committing, they were just straight up committing fraud. It's a good way to evaluate who you're listening to. If you see these things in the people that you're letting have direction of your life, find a new director. And don't be deceived. There are still plenty of people out there today that distort what God's word says. Who will say, well, yeah, the Bible says that, but the Bible's wrong, or, or the Bible doesn't, that's not really what the Bible means. They'll rationalize the freedom to do basically whatever you want. That still happens today, just as much as it was happening in, that, in those days. There are all kinds of people that are out there distorting what the Bible says about sexuality, right? I mean, it's gotten to the point, you, you can find some preacher or some church that will tell you that whatever sexually immoral thing that you want to do, well, it's all right. And you don't have to turn the TV on for very long to find a preacher who's a multimillionaire with private jets, multiple homes, cars, and asking you, send money. 
I mean, you probably have some of their books on your shelves. Do whatever you want. You're forgiven. You're free. Give money and God will bless you. And look, just to be clear on this, I'm not saying that all TV preachers are bad. I'm not saying all TV preachers that have multiple homes and a jet and all that, well, the more they have, the more I'm like, yeah, I don't know about what. But I'm, look, I'm not saying that if you're a, a preacher and a millionaire that you're a false teacher. I'm just saying you have to be very careful that just because they're in a position of power or prestige or famous or on TV or have a stage or are a leader and it sounds right doesn't mean that it is right and that it is from God. And let's be, let's be honest, we have plenty of people that we let speak into our life Plenty of people that we let direct us. Politicians, celebrities, girlfriends, boyfriends, social media, blogs, podcasts. But just because Kanye is a Christian and knows Jesus doesn't mean that everything he says is necessarily right. Just because you went to church with your boyfriend on Sunday doesn't mean he's leading you down paths of righteousness when he's leading you up the stairs. Think back to Herod. Look, Herod's a guy, he's in a position of power. The, the wise men had no reason not to trust him. I mean, he talked about wanting to worship the baby too. He was a nice, you know, nice guy, nice to him. Let's have a private meeting, fellas. But thank goodness they listened to God and didn't go back to Herod because Herod probably would have killed Jesus and killed Mary and killed Joseph and killed the shepherds and killed the wise men and anybody else that had heard about Jesus. I mean, this is the same guy that just for good measure, because he couldn't figure out which one was Jesus, just had everybody two years old and under killed. I mean, think back to the Gospels. You gotta be so careful. Think back to the Gospels. Who was Jesus constantly calling hypocrites and constantly calling out for crushing people with impossible religious demands? It was the religious leaders of the church. It was their teachers, their elders, the ones that were supposedly knowing the scripture the best that Jesus is constantly going like, don't do what these guys do. Don't, don't, what they're saying is wrong. You have to be careful who the director of your life is. Look, if I'm ever up here and I'm preaching something that is not biblical or that doesn't line up with scripture, come talk to me about it, please. Call me on it. Because look, I'm human, I make mistakes. I certainly, I certainly don't ever want to turn into a false teacher. So if it's, whether, you know, it's an awkward conversation or me becoming a false teacher, I'll have the conversation. Check out what your leaders are saying against scripture. And look, 
look, I, and I, I know, and I know, I'm, I'm, I'm the king. Uh, so, sometimes things just come out wrong. I've heard very godly scriptural pastors who, who are nationally known, uh, you know, people that I really, truly trust handling the word of God get tongue-tied, missay something, and they're going along, and they say something, and, and then I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I, I don't know that they know just what, how that came out because it, I'm fairly certain what they just said was blasphemy. Um, what, one of the things that that back when I used to hang out with the youth pastors at district conference, one of the things that we used to do that was fun uh, was we, would, we, would, we had a thing that we called Things Jeff Miller Said. Jeff Miller's the district superintendent. And we would, we would take the things that he would say out of, that he would, and like take it out of context, and then we would text it to each other. So like he would, you know, it would, and we would have him saying all kinds of crazy things. Uh, and, and sometimes it was just things that he said that just didn't come out right. And so we'd text each other and, and then he'd show them later and he'd laugh and we'd laugh and it was a good time. You know, but, but people say things, they're accidents and we all do that. And I'm not too worried about that. And, and I mean, God knows as well as all of you do that sometimes pastors say dumb stuff. That happens, but... But there, that's, that's one side of it, but, but there are some things that some pastors say, and it's teaching. It's teaching of this is how you be a Christian. This is how you follow Jesus, and it's just plain unbiblical. But it makes the Bible a whole lot easier to follow. That's what you have to be careful of. Because Pastors are always going to be humans. They're always going to screw things up. I'm not too, I'm, I mean, I'm not too worried about that. But when they are preaching, this is how you follow Jesus. And it's not lining up with scripture. You need to find somebody else to listen to. I would just encourage you with what Paul said in Ephesians 5.15. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise but as wise. Because check this out. Peter says, Peter says that these false teachers were eating with them at their fellowship meals. That means that these people who were distorting the gospel, they were a part of their church. They, they may not even have been leaders at their church. They were just people going to church, eating the fellowship meals with them. They may have just been church members who were able to lure people with teaching that sounded like what people wanted to hear. So you have to be careful. It's not just the people up front and the people in power that we have to be careful against. We have to be diligent to test what the people around us are saying against what scripture says. Go back to Peter. He says, look, Everything, everything that the, the prophets wrote, it's all God-breathed. Everything in Scripture is God-breathed. God wrote it. God said it. If it doesn't line up with what God says, then that's false teaching. And look, it's not hard to get tripped up. Sometimes we get to thinking things, or we hear something that sounds good, or we hear some preacher. We're not sure who they are, but they said it. And we hear it and we don't 
think, oh, you know what, I need to check out scripture and see if that lines up with that. And so we just hear it and we get to thinking it's truth and then we start believing it and then what do we do? We think it, we believe it, and then we start telling other people. We start preaching it to other people and the next thing you know, you're accidentally a false teacher. Gotta be careful. You, you hear Christians say, well, the Bible says God won't give you more than you can handle. The Bible doesn't say that. In fact, read the Bible. It's a book full of stories of God giving people more than they can handle. It's kind of the whole point of it. You can't handle it. That's why Jesus came, because he was the only one that could. Scripture does say that God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but those are two different things. You hear people say, oh, well, the Bible says the money is the root of all evil. That's not quite what the Bible says. The Bible says that money is a root of all kinds of evil, but it doesn't say money is the root of all evil. You hear Christians say that pretty much anybody. Oh, God, God's just going to work all things together for the good. Well, that's not kind of exactly what the Bible says. The Bible says that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But look, if you don't love God, if you're not called according to his purpose where you're at, I don't know that God's going to work all things together for the good of just everybody doing everything all the time. There's, you know, you hear, oh, well, the Bible says that everything will be at peace and the, the lion, the, and this is, you know, we, oh, we may, we, there's paintings of this. The lion will lay down with the lamb. Well, you're kind of close to what the Bible says, but that's not really what, the Bible says, it says that the wolf will lie down with the lamb and that the, the lion will lay down with the goat, which, but we just kind of condense it all and we have lions. And it, look, in, in the grand scheme of things, that's not going to like completely destroy somebody's faith. Like what? The lion isn't laying down with the lamb? I'm never going to be, you know, but... But we just hear things, they sound a lot like scripture, so we kind of say that, and then we put, you know, we just put it in our head, well, the Bible says, you know, and then we are talking to people, and we're saying things, oh, this is what scripture says, well, it's kind of what scripture says, got to be careful. And that's why it's so important, so important to go back to what we talked about last week. That's why it's so important that you and I are continually walking into the presence of God, that we are walking into the holy holies because the more that we're there, the safer we're going to be. The more that we're spending time in God's presence, in God's word, the safer we're gonna be. Because if we're spending time in God's presence, guess who we're not gonna be in the presence of? False teachers. If we're spending time in God's presence, 
We're, we're not spending time in the presence of really any teachers because we're going directly to God rather than somebody else. It's so important. If we're going into the presence of God, we're safer from other false teaching because we're listening to God and reading his word and not getting it from somebody else. But we're, if we're spending time in the presence of God, then we're safer from being accidentally false teachers ourselves. Because the more time we spend in the presence of God in, in Scripture, the more we know what it says and the more we're not going to use it wrong. And look, we live in America. We're a, we're a blessed people. We have been given all kinds of resources. All kinds of resources. Books, people, podcasts, broadcasts, web pages, all kinds of resources. But I was thinking about the word resource the other day. What's a resource? Let's go school for a second. What's the word re mean? Again. Reply, you know. Re, again, source. Okay. So we use all these resources, sourced again things, taken from the source. You take it from the source, you recycle it, and you have a resource. We have the source. We have the living and active word of God. We have the source. Why are we going to resources so much? I mean, there's plenty of good resources out there. I use resources all the time. But it just hit me if few months ago, why do I keep going to resourced things? I can go to the source thing. Look, if we're getting our teachings secondhand, then we're not being the priest that Peter says that we are. Remember last week, Peter calls us priests? If, look, if we're getting it secondhand, we're not going into the presence of God being priests, getting it from the living and active straight from the Holy of Holies word of God. There are lots of things that we teach in church, but they're not always the commands of God. Jesus said in Mark chapter seven and verse nine, he said to the Pharisees, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. Over the years, we've believed things and taught things in church and hold people to things in church, but there are things we do out of tradition but aren't commands out of the Bible. And it's easy to start believing and teach. You have to do this or you're not as close to God as you could be. And it's not in the Bible. When I grew up on a Sunday morning, I dressed like this all the time. Why? Because that's what you had to do. Because to really go to church and really, you know, experience God, you had to look like this. I like dressing up every once in a while. It's Christmas. I thought, hey, something red, 
a little tie, it'd be nice. But, but I, 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 and I've told this story before. When, when I was growing up, at one point, we had great, great use of church resources. We had our, our offering plates refinished with like new gold plating. And so the ushers all had to wear white gloves because you didn't want to get fingerprints on the... And like when somebody didn't wear their white gloves, it's a big deal. We have to be careful. There's all kind, you know, the Bible... The Bible doesn't say that the pastor has to get like the like well somebody has to get up on stage and give a thirty to forty minute monologue every single Sunday. That's not exactly what the Bible says. It says preach you know preach the word in season out of season, but it doesn't. And look, even church to church, you have. A Lutheran church, they might give a 10-minute message. You go, you go to an AMC church, like a, a black gospel, you, you, might be in, you might be hearing an hour-and-a-half message. So you're welcome. Um, but maybe next week. No, I, well, I don't know. Mike's preaching next week, so if you, if you want to go an hour-and-a-half, blessings on you. Because you're going to need them. Uh, but, but we have to be careful that our tr- our, we don't make our traditions at the same level as the word of God. Be careful. I, I remember a story of, uh, of a church and... They, they had hired a new pastor and, and they were upset with the new pastor because the old pastor, they, they had, they had a, a, a cross. And every, every Sunday morning before the pastor would preach, he would go and he would, he would you know, put his hands up and, and, and at the cross and, and be there for a few minutes before. And, and they were mad at the new pastor. They said, well, you don't go pray at, at the cross you know, with your hands out like that before you start the message like the old pastor did. And so the, the new pastor came in, he called the old pastor and he said, he said, I, he said I, you know, I, I started doing that like you did it to help, you know, help people be okay. But I just wondered why, why you did that. He said, I never prayed at the cross there ever. He said, there, that's where the heating vent was and I was warming up my hands before I was, before I went to preach. But, but, it, it, it was a tradition that, that all of a sudden it was like, oh, you got to do this or, or you're not as spiritual. By the way, most of everything that we do this time of year, this Christmas season, is it a tradition or is it a biblical command? I'm not saying it's wrong. I love them. I love Christmas carols. I love Christmas. I wear red. Because I like Christmas. White, white Christmas every single year. You got to do it. But it's not a biblical command. And yet, I mean, how do we, how do we, how do we see it? Over the years, I, I've, 
I'm just saying, I've heard the church say and do a lot of things, and we treat it like it came from Scripture, but it's tradition. And we have to be careful how we handle what we tell people and the way we treat people based on our traditions. If we're doing it out of tradition, it might not be right. If we're doing it out of biblical command, it's absolutely right, and we should be doing that. I just wonder how often maybe we lean into becoming Pharisees who weigh people down by saying, you have to do this, and it's just not there. It's not in the word. All the while, the things that are there, we forget to do. We have to be careful that we don't become the false teachers. Again, what did Paul say? He said, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Which brings me back to where we began. Wise men. Now, I don't know what exactly it was that made the wise men wise men. They, they may have been wise because they were able to follow a star. But on the other hand, you don't have to be a super genius to say, there's a star, we go that way. They may have been wise because they knew that if you're going into the king's presence, and I'm not talking Herod, I'm talking about king of kings presence, that you should bring the best of what you've got, your best gifts, that's wise. But it being all about performance and being the best and giving the best, that's also how we can kind of get tripped up with pride and performance. They may have been wise because they knew what scripture says. And that will help you be wise. Although there are many false teachers out there that know what the word says and they're not wise. By the way, think back to Herod in that story. He had to call the, the teachers and religious leaders to tell them and say like, what is it that the Bible says? Like, because I don't, I'm not real sure. Like, help me out. And then they tell him another good sign of a false teacher. You don't know what the word is, but I want to worship, you know. Anyway. But maybe, maybe what really made them wise was verse 12 of chapter 2 in Matthew. When it was time to leave, They returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. When God spoke, they listened and obeyed. When we take the word of God that we have hidden in our heart, like Bible, like scripture tells us to, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, When we take the word of God that we have hidden in our heart, like they apparently knew because they quoted scripture to to King Herod, 
when you combine that with a heart that prays and listens for the voice of God to guide and lead you, when we hear God's voice and sense God's leading and it checks out with what scripture says and then we obey it and we go, even if, even if that means we change the direction that we thought we were supposed to go. Because look, that's what the wise men did. They heard from God and then it said they went back a different way. When we obey and we go, even if it means we change our direction and we go in a direction that we hadn't planned, like the wise men going back a different route, it's when we hear God's voice, matches up with scripture, we obey it and go in that direction, it's then that we begin to be wise. It's our ability to listen to God that makes us wise. Wise men, wise women. When it all comes down to it, what separates the wise man from the false teacher is Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follows his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. When we recognize that, look, we don't have a genie, we don't have Santa Claus who just gives us whatever we want, because that's what a false teacher will tell you. You do this and you'll get what you want. But we have a God who is holy and the creator of all things, and he does whatever he wants and could crush us, evaporate us, wipe us away from existence in a very instant when we begin to fear him, which is what the false teacher doesn't do, when we begin to fear him and what he can do when we mishandle what he says, so we make every effort to listen closely and obey, as well as coming to the realization that he loves us and he has a plan for us, so we don't wanna be the people that are following just any teaching, every preacher we hear, every leader who wants to lead us, but that we want to be a people, wise men, wise women, who fear and listen and follow the guiding of God and let him be our director when he becomes our director. It's when we follow that, when we follow him, when we follow his leading, it's then that we find ourselves like the wise men in the Christmas story standing in front of Jesus. Jesus came into the world that we may be led to him. That's Merry Christmas when we come to him. May you follow the director. May you follow the director of your path that you may find yourself led to his son this Christmas. But in closing, I just ask you this morning, right now, in your life, who's your director? Who directs your thinking, your feeling, your spiritual life? Who's your director? Let's pray.